On the virtual Bible study tonight, we're going to deal with something that is all in the news recently. We're going to talk about abortion. Of course, there's been a very significant recent Supreme Court ruling, and that's had a a tremendous reaction in our society and our culture. Uh, And so we want to review some of the biblical arguments that we believe show that abortion is a sin. And then we also want to deal with some of the claims that abortion advocates are voicing recently. And so we're going to talk, we're just going to call our study tonight Reviewing Abortion Arguments. And we'll be ready to get started with that discussion uh, right away. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday july 7th we're glad you're here tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight good to be with you kyle's here behind the controls kyle it's good to be here Glad that you're on the other end of the line tonight, and we want to hear from you at 931-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com, and in the chat window to the bottom of your video feed if you're watching us live tonight. And uh, anytime you're listening, questions at collegeview.com is available. Send us an email and uh, let us know your thoughts. Jacob, we got a couple of announcements that we want to make. Uh, well, one really significant one, that is that... A week from next Monday and Tuesday is are the dates for our community Bible study here in Columbia. We have done this a number of times before. This will actually be the tenth time that we've done this. Uh, we we have had to suspend it the last couple of years because of COVID uh, concerns and regulations, but we are Lord willing back at it, July 18th and 19th. And that's just a week from this coming Monday and Tuesday. Uh, we'll be at the, uh, at the Memorial Building in downtown Columbia is where we hold this event. Uh, and that's where we have reserved for this year. Again, the Columbia Building, it's on West 7th Street, uh, just two blocks west of the downtown main square. Very easy to find. Donnie Rader is going to be our speaker. And the topic will be family and parenting concerns in this modern age, uh, Donnie's a very good Bible student and teacher, and I know that you will benefit from his lessons. If you are within driving distance of Columbia, Tennessee, we hope you will join us at the Memorial Building on July 18th and 19th. We're actually sending out like 30,000 advertisements of this event to every mailbox in our county, uh, Murray County, Tennessee. Uh, you can also see the information on our website at collegeview.com. Look just underneath the main banner uh, and main window picture in the main window, and, and you will see the advertisement for our event. Right. So uh, if you can come, by all means come. It's better to be there in person. If you can't come, we're hoping to live stream that. Uh, and so be be advised that we hope to have a live stream of the event up as well. All right. I guess that's sort of subject to uh, technical 
We're hoping, we're hoping the technical event, the, the technical things work. Yeah, you feel like you feel so. good? Yeah. Okay. All right, yeah. good. All right. Um, by the way, Kyle, I don't know if you know, we had Dan. Uh, Jacob was updating Dan on some of the connections, wiring connections that we need. And so we hope to have that all working on Monday, July 18th. And 19th. And, and Tuesday the 19th, yes. Uh, other than that, uh, we always remind you, get on our mailing list if you're not. Questions Wait, at college. You said there were two important announcements. Yeah, I can't remember what the second one was. Oh. <laughs> it must not have been that important. Well, it is important that you get on our mailing list. Oh, okay. our, our, our mailing list uh, is, uh, you, you can get on our mailing list if you're not uh, by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. And just say, add me to the list, and we will be anxious to do that. And you'll get the update. Earlier today to our update list, we sent out uh, some questions along the lines of our topic for discussion tonight, reviewing abortion arguments. And so the first thing we want to talk about, Jacob, is just make sure that all Christians are aware of what we think are the very good biblical arguments showing that abortion is wrong, it's sinful, God condemns it. Uh, so we're just going to kind of go over those arguments, make sure everybody is up to speed, because I think we have a lot of opportunities to be in discussions with people about that right now, because, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, as everybody is aware, uh, the Supreme Court overturned the 1973 Roe v. Wade decision. They did that on the basis of it, just a bad legal opinion. The Supreme Court back in 1973 made a very bad judicial call, it, it, and it, and their decision was just purely on the basis of what what does the Constitution allow? Or what are the legal um, principles that that govern that sort of decision? They weren't making that decision on a on a, a moral or religious basis. But we, all of us who understand that the Bible condemns abortion, have been hoping and praying that that decision could be overturned. It doesn't make abortion illegal anywhere. Basically, it turns it back to all the state legislatures to make their own determinations. Here in Tennessee, for instance, it will allow some decisions to be made that will certainly restrict abortion. It's not going to it's not going to ban abortion, which we wish it could, but it is going to allow states to enact laws at the state and local level that will make it much less likely to have abortions in states like Tennessee. Some states like California and New York are busy enacting laws that will make abortion easier to get. Uh, so again, it's just it's going to be at the state level. All right. Um, and uh, we need to know what the Bible teaches because it may surprise you or maybe it won't surprise you to know that some folks who claim to be Christians, who claim to believe in the Bible, would think that abortion is okay. So we need to see what the Bible teaches on this subject. And so, so we're after, ready to defend the truth. Yeah. And after we do that, then I want to spend just a little bit of time at the end of our program talking about some of the, I think, flawed arguments that abortion advocates make about this. So we'll look at that, too. All right. So. First thing, what, what's the best arguments, uh, what are the best Bible arguments that condemn abortion? Let's look and see what our emailers said, Jacob. Best Bible arguments. First up, from Grant tonight. He says the Bible teaches that murder is condemned. He references Romans 13, verse 9, Revelation 21, verse 8. And that's a pretty much a given. I don't know that anybody would argue that murder is acceptable to God. 
I mean, there's there's a lot of sins that people argue about. Murder's not one that I've ever heard argued. Uh, they might argue it in sort of a situation ethics kind of a Maybe. scenario. But, uh, again, like you said, it's it's pretty generally agreed that murder is a sin. Yep. Revelation 21, 8, that Grant referenced, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So that's that's given. He's going to build on that now. He says the unborn child is a human being. He references Psalm 139, verse 13, which states, for you formed my inner parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. Uh, So he says the unborn child is a human being. Notice he says that God calls the unborn child in Genesis 25, 22 and 20, 21 and 22. He calls the unborn the unborn children in Genesis 25 verses 21 and 22. Isaac uh, prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren and the Lord answered him and Rebekah conceived his wife conceived but the children struggled within her. So he's saying that the Bible refers to the unborn as children that are struggling within her. He says, we can clearly see from these verses that an unborn child is a human being, referred to as children, and to abort such a one is to commit murder. I believe that innocent life is sacred to God from conception to birth to natural death. Jeremiah 1 verse 5 states, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. Okay, I Thank agree. You, yeah, I agree with everything Grant said there. I, I would just I would just uh, add a, a little more confirmation to what he stated about God demands a reverence for human life. Uh, in, in Genesis 4, verses 10 and 11, uh, remember when Cain had killed his brother Abel, and the Lord said to Cain, verse 9, Genesis 4, verse 9, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Of course, he did know because he had murdered him. God said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. And so we see that God punished Cain for killing his brother Abel. Very first instance of murder. But we see that in that God demanded a respect for human life that Cain did not show. Then after the flood in Genesis chapter 9 verses 5 and 6 as, as God was blessing Noah and, and, and stating factual matters concerning how things are to be on the earth now after the flood, he said in Genesis 9, verse 5, Surely your blood of your lives will I require at the hand of every beast will I require it, and at the hand of man, at the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. And so I, I would just offer those verses uh, as confirmation of what Grant was stating there. God God demands a respect for human life. Murder is, is a sin. Uh, and, and that's just straightforward. All right. Thank you, Grant, for your email tonight. Kent in Calhoun, Georgia, we've is been, back by the on way, the email Yeah, tonight. we've been missing Kent. He's been pretty sick recently, and, uh, uh, and, and we've missed his emails. He's our most faithful email correspondent, and we're glad to have him back. Thank you, Kent, for your email tonight. He says, Exodus 21, 22, and 23, If men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished according to the woman's husband will, will lay on, to it, on him. And he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, thou shalt give life for life. Since Moses stated, life for life. 
indicating the life of the un- an unborn child is e- of equal value to the life of one who caused its cessation indicates that there is a human status to life in the womb. I like that. That's one of my favorite arguments that Ken has posed there. And again, if, if you're not familiar with that argument, write it down so you can go back and review Genesis 21 uh, verses 22 through 25. It, it, it's uh, so. Uh, let me read all of that for us again. That's Genesis, or excuse me, Exodus 21. In Exodus 21, at verse 12, it says, "He that smiteth a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death." So that states uh, the penalty. For killing a person, you kill a person, you murder a person. It's not all killing is not murder, but in the case of murdering a man, he that smiteth a man so that he dies shall surely be put to death. Now, with that basis, with that groundwork, verse 22, if men strive and hurt a woman with child so that her fruit depart from her and yet no mischief follows. Okay, here, here's so here in uh, uh in some kind of a circumstance, a pregnant woman is injured so that she, she her her baby is born premature premature birth. Her fruit departs from her. Her fruit departs from her, but no mischief follows. In other words, the child lives, not not harm. Not, not no mischief. He lives, and there are no consequences. No consequences he's born, to the child. He's not born with some kind of uh, disability, missing a limb or something. Yeah. Uh, but even at that, the man who caused it shall surely be punished according as the woman husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. Now, if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And so if a mischief followed, that is, there was some injury to the child, notice life for life. If the child if the child died, then the man who caused the injury would be put to death, which is the same penalty that would be rendered in, under the law of Moses for any other person who is injured uh, by someone. Yeah, which was just mentioned earlier in the passage. There. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and verse and notice in verse, tw- uh, verse twelve. Verse twelve. Yeah. Verse twelve. He that smiteth a man so that he die, he shall surely be put to death. That was the penalty for a living person. It's also the penalty if you caused a fetus to be to to die and mm-hmm. be stillborn or mm-hmm. or die the the abortion I mean the uh, pregnancy ended in the death of the fetus you're to be punished in the same way that you would be punished if you had killed a, a living person yeah. the the fetus in the womb is regarded by God as a living person right. I think that's a great argument now. We always have to say when we when we make those kind of arguments, Jacob, we are not saying that we live under the law of Moses. We're not trying to re-implement the law of Moses. What we're using that text and and, and argument for is to show a principle. The, the principle we're seeking there is how does God regard life in the womb? And I think it really sets that that uh, makes that point clear. All right, Dwight uh, from uh, Ames, Iowa, has sent an email tonight. Uh, rumor has it Dwight and Michelle are going to be at the community Bible study, by the way. I heard about that. <clears throat> uh, Dwight says, Deuteronomy 27, verse 25 says, Cursed is he who accepts a bribe to strike down an innocent person, and all the people shall say amen. You can't get any more innocent than a conceived child, Dwight says. 
Jeremiah 1, verse 5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. God knew Jeremiah and had a plan for him even before he was conceived. Thank you for that, Dwight. And so Dwight is making the point that that life in the womb, uh, you know, makes a point. Uh, Proverbs six seventeen, he says, one of the things God's hate is hands that shed innocent blood. There's no more innocent blood, as you said, than, than the unborn child. So I think those are great arguments. And Dwight uh, and Michelle in the chat room reference Romans one thirty one, which lists a long category of traits of these uh, sinful people and one of those is from the version Dwight's reading unloving the other is without natural affection yeah. there is a natural bond with a mother especially but mother and father for the unborn child they, uh, there's a love for that um, and it seems that, that that natural affection is missing in our society today let's grab a break and I want to make a couple more arguments to, to the great ones that have already been offered by our, our listeners but let's, uh, let's get our break we're going to break and get your thoughts during the break don't go anywhere we're back right after this don't touch that mouse the virtual bible study will be back right after this here's a quick thought if anyone suffers as a Christian let him not be ashamed but let him glorify God in this matter 1 Peter 4, verse 16. This is certainly a challenge. Have you ever thought about glorifying God through your suffering? We should seek to glorify Him, whether good or bad, in every matter. Seize the day. Here's some quotes worth pondering. You may delay, but time will not. The hardest arithmetic to master is that which enables us to count our blessings. No matter how far you've gone on the wrong road, turn back. Henry Ford said, there isn't a person anywhere who isn't capable of doing more than he thinks he can. Self-discipline begins with the mastery of your thoughts. If you don't control what you think, you can't control what you do. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we look at abortion and look at what the Bible teaches on the subject. Um, We need to be prepared to demonstrate and teach what the Bible teaches about the subject. Uh, There are going to be many in our society who disagree with us, and uh, sadly, some who claim to be Christians are going to disagree with us. We need to be prepared with the defense of the gospel here on this important subject. And I think that, uh, as we said, this is gonna, there's going to be some openings to engage people in this discussion. It's a really important discussion. This has been one of the, the greatest atrocities. I, I would argue the greatest atrocity committed by our co- people in our country. Uh, the statistics concerning the number of babies that have been killed by abortion since 1973, almost 50 years, just short of 50 years. So I think it's right at 63 million babies have been aborted. It's it's over 60 million, mm-hmm. which is a, is just an incredible number. Uh, I've always thought the, the the sort of the contrasting number that really emphasizes how huge that number is is. All the soldiers that ever died fighting for for America, going all the way back to the Revolutionary War, both World Wars, Korea, Vietnam. I mean, every every military conflict that, that the United States has ever been engaged in, the total number of soldiers that were killed in all of those, 1.5 million. 
That's too many. That's a lot. That's too many. It doesn't even hold a candle to how many babies have been aborted. Yeah. Crazy. Just yeah. just uh, amazing. Uh, and, you know, uh, here's, here's a, a verse. That, so emphasizing on that, Jacob, Leviticus 20, beginning verse 2. Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, whosoever he be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel that giveth any of his seed to Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones, and I will set my face against that man and will cut him off from among his people because he has given of his seed unto Molech to defile my sanctuary and to profane my holy name. Now, we understand that the Amor- one of the idol- idols of the Amorites, the Amorites were the people who occupied the land of Canaan. When the children came out of Egypt, God sent them into the promised land to possess it. He was also sending the Israelites into the promised land to punish the wicked people who were possessing it, the Amorites, many different tribes of the Amorites, but the, that, 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 those peoples were generally identified as the Amorites. One of their idols was Molech. And we understand that what they would do is that they would heat this idol up, this metal idol. They would heat it up glowing red hot. And then they would place their living babies into the arms of this heated idol, and, and it would burn and die, obviously. I mean, the, the horror of that is just beyond imagination. Well, they beat on drums and played music loud so the parents couldn't hear the baby screaming in agony. Just incredible. Well, you know, so you think about how horrible that is, and you think, well, maybe we're not that bad, are we? 60-plus million babies aborted? I'd say we killed a lot more babies than the Amorites killed offering their sacrifices to Molech. You know, and it would seem on the surface that anybody would see how how wrong this is, how patently sinful and terrible it is. Yet we know from reading our Bibles a little further past Leviticus that what did the Israelites start to do? They they began to worship that crazy idol. They started putting their babies on that thing and burning them alive. Yeah. Notice the notice as that text there in Genesis or uh, Leviticus twenty continues. And if the people of the land do anyways hide their eyes from the man who has offered his baby to Molech, when he giveth his seed to Molech, and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man and against his family, and will cut him off, and all that go a whoring after him to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. So God certainly wanted that man to be punished for his crime, but he also was going to hold responsible anybody who looked the other way when it was t- when it was taking place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that speaks to us who are the people of God. We should not look the other way, and we should be very adamant to speak out against this horrendous crime, this horrendous sin of abortion. There's an argument. So we got, we got a couple of really good arguments, and I really... Uh, especially like the one that Kent made from Exodus 21. I I hope our listeners uh, will gear up to make that argument. I think there's a neat argument in the Gospel of Luke. uh, uh, Kyle, we just started studying the the Gospel of Luke in our Sunday morning Bible class, and you've got a, probably got a playlist already started with that, haven't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I can watch a video of that? (laughs) Yeah. Where uh, would I find that? At the College View uh, live stream on YouTube. Yeah. Good. i got to get you a little yeah. plug. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Luke, of course, is a physician. The, Paul called him the beloved physician, mm-hmm. Luke. 
And so it's interesting, but he's also making this argument by inspiration, but he's also a physician. So the the book of Luke starts with the angel Gabriel appearing to Zacharias to tell him that he and his wife Elizabeth, who have never been able to have children, are going to have a child in their old age. And that child would be John the Baptist. So I've, I've made the point in our class, it's interesting that the New Testament does not begin with the birth of Jesus. The New Testament begins with the birth of John the Baptist. And Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth, was about six months pregnant when the same angel Gabriel appeared to Mary to say that she was going to give birth to the Savior Jesus. And as, as when she learned that, uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 39, Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country in haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now, they were cousins. And it says, and, and Elizabeth said, verse 44, Luke 1, 44, Elizabeth said, Lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Now, the Greek word for babe that, remember, Luke is a physician. Luke is an inspired physician. The word that Luke used for babe is the Greek word brephos. If you're going to spell it with English letters, it's B-R-E-P-H-O-S, brephos. And he, so he used that word brephos to describe the the fetus still in the womb of Elizabeth, the fetus who, when born, would be John the Baptist. Chapter 2, in chapter 2 of Luke, Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem and she gives birth to Jesus. The birth of Jesus is announced to the shepherds in the field by angels. The shepherds immediately come to Bethlehem. Verse 16, Luke 2, they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the major. The babe is Jesus. Luke, the inspired physician, speaks of a baby now born, and he uses the same word, Mm -hmm. brephos. I think that makes an interesting argument. I think a positive argument showing that God regards the life in the womb the same as the life out of the womb. Uh, and, and, And again, I hope we can be ready and prepared to make those. You mentioned before the break, Jacob, one other uh, argument that I think is is important to make, the sin of being without natural affection. Second Timothy chapter 3, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse, uh, verse, verse 1, 1 Timothy 3, verse 1, know this, Second. that in the last days, perilous, what did I say? You said first. Oh, I meant 2 Timothy. Said, yeah. 2 Timothy 3, beginning verse 1. Know that know, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. Truth breakers, false accusers, goes on to the list, uh, to, to add to that list. But the expression without natural affection, uh, these are among the sins that, that Paul said would become prevalent uh, uh, in these last days. And I think we are living in these last days. And certainly the sin of being without natural affection uh, is, is, I think, most perfectly defined by those who would commit abortion. There ought to be a natural bond between a parent and child. 
It, it, is, it is that natural affection. You know, even in the animal world, there's a natural affection for an animal and its offspring. You know, try to, try to take a puppy from its mother. Try to take a kitten from its mother. You're going to get a reaction because, because even an animal has a natural right. reaction right. to defend its offspring. And, and when humans can kill their unborn babies, it's, it's without, certainly without natural affection. And I think there's one other argument about abortion, and that, that I think we can make is that it's rooted in a misunderstanding of the blessing of children. Yeah. The scriptures are clear on that. Uh, and our society views children as a curse, as, a, as, a, as an obligation that we just need to, you know, uh, we, can't, we can't deal with that. So the 127th Psalm, verse 3 says, Lo, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of him of them. There's a blessing in children that our society does not honor, and uh, and it's from God. And I think abortion is rooted in in a misunderstanding and misappreciation of the blessing that God has given yeah. uh, to us. I think you're exactly right. Along those lines, you talked about Molech. Why would somebody in those times offer their baby to an idol? Why would you do that? Why would you take a baby and put him on that molten hot idol's arms and have it burn to death? Why would you do that? I would think that what would motivate a person to do that was because they thought they were gonna, it was going to benefit them some way. Make their life better. Yeah. It would, it would do them better. It would be a selfish act for your own perceived benefit. I will, I will sacrifice this life so that my life will be better. Yeah. Isn't that exactly what's happening with abortion today? Exactly. I will sacrifice my baby because it's going to get in the way of my career. Yeah. I'm going to sacrifice the baby because I just don't want the stress of taking care of the baby. I'm going to sacrifice the baby because what I want. I don't want the baby right now. It's exactly yep. the same motivation that would cause you to do it after the baby is born that you would do before the baby is born. Exactly right. All right. Let's grab our bullet point break, Jacob, and uh, when we come back now, what we're going to do for the rest of the program is look at some of the flawed arguments that abortion advocates make. All right. We're going to get that, and hopefully your comments don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hello, I'm Nick Law from Jennings, Florida. I love to listen to the virtual Bible study and hear God's Word taught every Thursday night. This is Greg Glenn with this week's bullet point. We want to emphasize that a certain amount of leisure time is right, proper, and even needful. Our Lord realized this and instructed his apostles in this regard during a particularly busy period of work. Notice in Mark chapter 6, beginning verse 30, it says, The apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said to them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure as much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. From this, we should obviously conclude that we need some leisure time. Without it, our physical and spiritual well-being will suffer. The other essential in this matter of leisure time is to manage it wisely. We are stewards of the time that God has given us and must regulate our schedules with this understanding. Ephesians 5, beginning verse 15 says, Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Folks who make the pursuit of leisure time their primary concern are ignoring this concept of time accountability. 
Having established that we need some leisure time and that we need to manage it properly, let us suggest the following do's and don'ts. First, engage in activities that will tend to build you up spiritually rather than tear you down. Some types of activities, by their very nature, cause you to be with people and to be in places that yield prolonged and frequent temptations. Make a conscious effort to avoid these. Secondly, look for opportunities to spend time with faithful Christians. It's much easier to live righteously when you are around good people. Make it easy on yourself. Seek out that kind of company in your leisure time. Romans 12, verse 10 says, Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Third, don't be selfish. Remember to include your family in your leisure time plans. We've seen too many fathers and mothers who seem all too anxious to get away from their families at such times. Leisure time is good time to spend bringing up your children in, quote, the nurture and admonition of the Lord, Ephesians 6, verse 4. Number four, constantly keep in mind the importance of your example before others. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 22 says, abstain from all appearance of evil. And finally, number five, the good general rule on these matters is to, quote, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, verse 33. Never let any such activity interfere with your spiritual service to God. If we will keep our priorities in right order, then we'll be able to make the right decisions about managing our leisure time. So leisure time, we need some. But as Christians, we must be sure to manage it wisely. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys. We're back on the program tonight, and Kyle, I already gave you your plug for the for the video feed, so why don't you take us uh, through who uh, is responsible for this program? Well, I think it's the uh, College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee, which uh, you can find us, uh, use your Google Maps or any kind of directional app. It's uh, 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. And there's actually a, an embedded Google Map on yeah. our website. Well, so. I don't even have we to. Are, it's we are stop. arrived. We're, we're ready for the 23rd century. <laughs> All right. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> and we're talking about abortion on the program tonight. During the break, uh, Dwight sent me a message. Uh, he, he, said, he referenced the Bald and Golden Eagle Protection Act. It was enacted in 1940. It currently prohibits anyone without a permit issued by the Secretary of the Interior from taking bald eagles. Taking is described to include their parts, nest, or eggs, molesting or disturbing the birds. He said it's sad that birds have more protections than babies. So an unborn bird is protected by federal law. You can't law. touch that. Yeah. But you can touch a human. Yeah. Wow. Good point. Thank you, Dwight, for that. Yeah. Uh, David uh, in the chat room says, notice that none of the people who are marching for the right to abortion were aborted themselves, which is obviously true, but it is a, it is a point. But I actually saw one. I, I didn't see it live, but I saw a, a photograph of one of these abortion protesters, you know, a, a, all tore up because now people are not going to have as free an access to abortion. This protester sign actually said, I wish my mother had aborted me. I don't know. There, there's some deep psychological problems there for someone to say that. Uh, but whatever. Wow. Amazing. All right. Uh, very sad. Uh, very misled. Um, and the devil's uh, agenda is being heated by so many in our society today. And now some arguments that are going to be used to support this. Here are the kind of arguments that we will face. Uh, we, we put these out on our update list. How would you respond when the abortion advocates say Christians aren't really pro-life, just pro-birth? 
And basically what they're saying there is uh, they don't really care about people. They don't care about hurting people. They don't they, they just they just got this agenda wherein they want babies to be born. So they, they're all about birthing babies, but they're not about helping people. Uh, you know, they're and so they say they're pro-birth, but not really pro-life. Mm, okay. Uh, let's see what our emailer said about that, Jim. All right, let's take it over to um, Kent. Being pro-birth is equal to being pro-life. The case being that those advocating the pro-birth position of necessity implies that the life of the child that is born must also be sustained after birth. Affirms the pro-life position, and. Dwight says, we have no right to take the life of an innocent child, whether it be just conceived or 18 days old with a heartbeat or full term. Life begins at conception. Just because the fetus does not have fingers, eyes, toes, etc., does not make it any less alive. Every living thing has a beginning, and conception is the beginning of life. And actually, they do form fingers and toes and eyes pretty quick from all of the pictures that we've seen of the development of a fetus in the womb. Yes. Actually, what I was going for, I, I, I appreciate both of those comments uh, very much, but what I was going for is that that claim of abortion people, that, that we don't really care about people, we just want babies to be born. We don't care about them after they're born. We're pro-birth, not pro-life. Did you know that uh, uh, among uh, these are among practicing Christians, you know, we, we, would, we, we have talked, we will talk, we do talk about what identifies a person as true per, uh, Christian, but self-identified Christians, do you know that they adopt children more than twice as often as those who who are unbelievers? Uh, they uh, concerning people who give to charitable causes, people who identify as Christians. 65% of those who identify as Christians give to charitable causes. Only 41% of those who are non-believers give to charitable causes. And so statistically, the argument that we want to see those babies born, but we don't care about people and the troubles that they have in their life and issues that, that, that real folks have to deal with, that's just not true. Uh, statistically, it's not true. And I, I think we should stand up for that and say, you know, that the, those who profess Christianity are far more generous and open-hearted than those who do not. That's just that's just statistically a fact. And so, you know, they're making an argument that does not hold water when they when they claim that. All right, nine three one three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview dot com. Okay, here's here's now you see you actually see these signs. The pro-abortion people say, it's my body, my choice. Uh, I, think that's, I think that's really so so hypocritical. And I don't want to get off into the politics of this, but you know, back when there was so much debating about the vaccine mandates, it was my body, but it wasn't my choice. It was my body, but I was being mandated to inject it with, with a vaccine. Under the guise, it was better for others. Yeah. Right? It would protect the population. Yeah. Well, well, what's the difference? So in the case of abortion, my body, my choice. Well, if we make, if we protect that life, then we're actually protecting a human life. Yeah. But uh, let's see what our guys said in email here, Jacob. All right. Kent says, 
uh, being pro, uh, so, you know, the pro-abortion advocate makes a decision to end a life that is independent of that of that of the mother. A body part is defined by a genetic code that it shares with the remainder of the body. The unborn generic gen, unborn child's genetic code differs from that of the mother's. And so, Ken saying this, no, it's not your body; it's another yeah. body because of the. I had the same code. note on that, Kent. The unborn child has its own distinct DNA. A distinct his the child the, the fetus's DNA is distinct from the mother's DNA while the fetus is still in the womb. The the fetus has its own fingerprints, heartbeat. We know that the, the, they feel pain. The fetus feels pain. Uh, science confirms that it's not the mother's body. It's another person's body. Uh, and the and that fetus maintains its own distinct body, even in personhood. And so, my body, my choice is not true. That there's a there's another living being in the mother's womb. It's a separate body, a separate person. And so, that argument is just tremendously flawed. And I think we really need to be ready uh, to to make that point. Because that is the main rallying cry of the abortion advocates is my body, my choice. Absolutely. And it's just not true. Um, And, you know, it is your body, but you have obligations uh, that you that you have to fulfill. A, A person has obligations to their family, for instance. Now, that's not honored in our society today, but it used to be honored in our society today. Back in 1878, there was a yellow fever outbreak in Memphis. And in the newspaper in Memphis was a report of a man who had deserted his wife and child who had the yellow fever. And he, rather than staying, risking his body to care for his obligation, his wife and his child, he deserted them and left. The newspaper reported on this. Now, this is this is how responsibility was viewed in 1878, how natural affection was viewed in 1878, how everyone just knew you took care of your offspring and your family. The newspaper reported this man had left his wife and his child and said, if he hasn't, it, the newspaper said this, if he hasn't died from the yellow fever, somebody ought to kill him. <laughs> That's says. what the newspaper said. Yeah. That, because people understood you had an obligation. Yeah. But today we don't. Yeah. Now it's my body. I don't have to care about anybody else, whether they're born or unborn. I, I just live for myself. And I only care about myself. Yeah. And I only do what is I think is best for me. We live in a selfish society. Absolutely. Absolutely. Exactly right. Uh, Dwight, on this point, my body, my choice, uh, says... Ecclesiastes 12, 7 says, Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. Our body is not ours, as some think. God was the one who gave us the life and the Spirit within it. Just because we have a body and we as humans can make decisions does not mean that we make right decisions. First Corinthians 6, beginning verse 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. Okay, thank you, Dwight, for that. You know, this this thing, my body, my choice. Yeah, you have a choice. You know, that choice actually existed before that pregnancy was conceived. You have a choice. Uh, use, use that choice and 
and do not commit the immorality that very often leads to these pregnancies that result in abortion. We're going to talk here in a minute about who gets abortions. And statistically, the people who get abortions are one who have just been immoral and they want to escape the consequences of their immorality. All right. Nine three one three eight one four five six seven. Let's grab our last break and we'll come back and we'll finish this up. All right. Don't go anywhere. We're going to the top of the hour right over this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. My name is Roger Toomes, and me and my wife love to listen to the virtual Bible study on Thursday nights. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. A recent survey found that more than 40% of schools reporting to the National Center for Educational Statistics stated that they do enforce dress codes. This included over 60% of U.S. middle schools and 56% of high schools, which reported strict code policies for students. That information is via tipforefficiency.com. The Word of God says in 1 Timothy 2, verse 9, women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back going to the top of the hour talking about abortion and looking at some arguments that some would make to justify this act. Okay, so here's another argument that's offered by the pro-abortion people. Abortion must be allowed because of rape and incest. We hear that all the time. Well, I'm just going to give you the statistics on that. The, the number of, of, this is among those who had an abortion in the year 2020, okay? 0.01% had an abortion because of a pregnancy resulting from incest. One one hundredth of one percent. I mean, it's, it's almost fractionally zero. And just 0.15% because a woman had been raped. Less than 1%, just uh, you know, one-tenth of 1% effectively. So those numbers, so we're going we're gonna to abort 60-plus million babies in America over the last 50 years because we want to protect the right of women who've been raped or, or, or have a pregnancy resulting from incest. That's just, we're going to kill all those other babies because there may be just a fractional handful of babies resulting from these horrors. Now, I would go further to to say that even in those cases, you know, that's a big debate. But my my thinking in that debate is even in those cases, that's still a human life in the womb. We're going to kill that baby because of the sins that the father committed. Uh, that's that doesn't seem just in any way, shape, or form. No, it's not to minimize the pain the mother endures, but the, yes. the answer to that is not to to take a life. Let's punish let's punish the father. Who that's, committed that's, the sin. Why don't we murder the or not murder us? Why don't we put those people to death? Yeah, why, why don't we put, put them in jail at least? Well, yeah. You know, and then and then there's also the arguments also offered that you, abortion has to be allowed to protect the health of the mother. You know, the mother's health may be at risk if she carries this baby. Well, you know, pregnancy is way safer in our day and time than it's ever been in, in the course of history. All kinds of advances have been made. Yeah, you uh, can't make that argument anymore. No, you really can't. Uh, back in 2020, there were only like 1.5% of the abortions performed were supposedly justified because the mother's health was at risk. 
So something like 95% of abortions that were performed were because, not, not because of rape, incest, or the mother's health. Over 95% of the abortions performed were because people just wanted the convenience of ending a pregnancy. All right. So that argument, uh, again, just fails. And again, even in the terrible, you know, if pregnancy results from rape or incest, which is horrible, and, and again, we understand it would be very traumatic for the mother in those cases, for sure, that's still a life. And I don't, uh, you know, that it's, it's situation ethics to argue that, that that it should be okay to end that life. Yeah. All right. There are other options to help with that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. With that for sure. But uh, taking a life is not the solution to the problem. All right. We'll see what our email yeah, is. Yeah, that. Uh, Kent says, pregnancy due to rape and or incest is rare and with proper treatment can be prevented in the majority of cases. However, when such cannot be prevented and pregnancy does occur, such is not a justification for the pro-abortion position. There's no logical or scriptural proof that abortion is right. Situations are not determined based upon subjective thinking. The unborn child is a human being. That is an independent life within the mother. The killing of an unborn child is an unwarranted act ethically, just like the unwarranted, unwarranted killing of human life of one who has already been born. Yeah. All right. And Dwight says abortion, that is murder, is still murder any way you look at it. Just because something bad happened to someone does not give us the right to take it out on someone else, and someone else is an innocent child. Or that someone else is an innocent child. There are other options such as adopting out the child or loving the child who did no wrong to you and raising it. Why should it suffer death because of someone else's sin? Great, Dwight. I think you're exactly right. Okay. We're All running right. out of time. We're trying to go through some reviewing. So we titled our program Reviewing Abortion Arguments. We reviewed the biblical arguments that condemn abortion. We're reviewing the arguments that pro-abortion people make, and they don't hold water. Here's one of the arguments we're hearing a lot is the Supreme Court really did a bad thing because the majority of Americans support abortion. That's not true either. The majority, Certainly, the majority of Americans do not support abortion, late-term abortions. Uh, I, I guess it could be argued that it's about 50-50 for abortions in the first trimester of pregnancy. My answer to that would be, Majority opinion doesn't establish what's right and wrong, yeah. for sure. Uh, and, and I don't understand why some people say, well, it'd be okay to kill a baby up to, you know, maybe 15 weeks, but you can't kill a baby after 15 weeks of pregnancy. It's arbitrary. That's that's really an arbitrary rule. I, I don't understand that. But I think there are probably a lot of so-called Christians who would probably favor that, and I think that's a big mistake. We see the fallacy of uh, basing our decision on what everybody else is thinking, Kyle, especially when the scriptures are so clear on that. Well, I think Americans, we're very susceptible to what I hate. I'm not a huge fan of the term misinformation, but there's been since the fall of uh, Roe versus Wade, there's been so much misinformation, disinformation about what is going to be gone, coverages for women in feminine care. It's I think people need to educate themselves. I think Americans who say they support abortions and that they should not have gone away, I think need to educate themselves on what has been taken away and what is still remains. Mm-hmm. So I think, yep. yes, yeah, so I think educate yourselves. I think yeah. the abortion in killing a child is never a good thing. Yeah. And I think, yeah, so. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, it's, it's very apparent that we can't use the majority opinion. But, you know, Christians, Christians, 
are using the majority opinion on other subjects like what we wear, what kind of entertainment we view. Sure. But, I mean, that, so that's the, there's a danger. If you can see it in abortion, like, well, that doesn't, yeah, then you can see it. You ought to see it in other areas. Uh, Kent says, an appeal to what the majority of Americans desire is not adequate proof as a defense for abortion. That which is right is not dependent upon subjective thinking, not the number of those uh, advocating, nor the, object, uh, nor the number of those advocating the killing of the unborn. That which is right, ethically and morally, is contingent upon the objective truth of the Bible. Biblical ethics have never authorized the killing of unborn children. Exactly right. Thank you, Dwight. Kent's email reminds us of the importance of studying our Bible and going back to it and making sure that all of our decisions about right and wrong are based upon it, not what our society is trying to pump into our head on a constant basis as to what's right and what's wrong. Dwight says, uh, Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, there's a way which seems right to a man, but the end, its end is the way of death. Matthew 7:13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. No matter how many support something, that does not change God's mind on what he said. Exactly right. Thank you, Dwight. And real quickly, the last argument that we had on our update was there, the people are arguing that banning abortions won't decrease the abortion rate. They say, oh, well... So if Tennessee, for instance, passes laws that make it much harder to get an abortion, people just go to California. They'll just go to New York. Or they'll get, uh, you know, undercover. Or, or they'll get sort of black market abortions, you know. Well, if they do, that's that's going to be on them. But that, that doesn't mean that we should justify that. You know, uh, I like what Kent said on this. He said, this is an assumption without proof. However, even if such is the case, it will lower abortions in some cases. We enact laws against murder and other crimes against civility. No one argues against enacting these laws because evil individuals refuse to obey them. Laws against abortion will punish evildoers in spite of the fact that some individuals hate unborn children. So uh, I, I think Kent makes a good point, you know. It is right uh, as a nation, as a people, as a society we should take a stand for what is right. And if uh, evil people, evil people always break the laws. Uh, it's 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 a, a a sin to commit murder. Murders still take place, and so you know, I think it will. I think I think that that's a flawed argument. Uh, I think it will limit the number of abortions that occur. But even if it doesn't, it's still right for us to stand up for righteousness all right um yeah and you know it 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 dodges the issue here the issue is not whether or not it's going to increase or decrease abortions the issue is is abortion right or wrong yeah we've got to answer that question uh dwight says i believe that may be true to a point if there's no accountability to civil laws if we do not uphold laws then people have nothing to fear if they break the law people may still get away with it but it will make people think of the consequences if caught, or at least it should. Okay. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, what, you know, what if we came out and said, you know what? The laws against rape aren't decreasing the rate it's of rape. It's actually increasing. Yeah. We need to, do we need to get rid of the rape, or we, you know, rape laws because it's not working. Or murder. Yeah. You know, murder rates are up all across the country, especially in big cities. So we might as well just make it legal because it's not having laws against murder is not keeping people from getting, committing murder. That is, that's just a flawed, silly argument. Yeah. And then Dwight concludes with uh, something that uh, 
it was in the news back in the early 2000s, Scott Peterson. Yeah. An American convicted of murder. He was convicted of the first-degree murder of his wife, Lacey, who was pregnant at the time, and the second-degree murder of their unborn son, Connor. Now, you know, California. that was always just such an atrocity that you could, that if, if someone killed a pregnant woman, they'd be charged with two counts of murder, but an abortion doctor could kill dozens of babies every week, and it was okay. It doesn't even make sense. It's just ridiculous. All right. Uh, All right. Good discussion tonight. Uh, Kyle, final thoughts from you. I think it's an important study. I think Christians, which I think if you are a Christian, you need to read your Bible and understand what the Bible says. And I think we've covered that tonight. The Bible is very clear that life is precious. And I think we cannot kill a child. And the baby is a life unborn. Yeah. Yeah. Amen to that. Uh, it's, it's clear from the scriptures um, where we need to stand on this on this subject. Kyle, thanks for helping us it get good. it out on the air tonight. Dad, good discussion tonight. Um, one that we need to be prepared, as you mentioned at the start of the program, to yeah. share with others. Yeah, I think there may be some open doors here. I think so too. Yeah, why not walk through them? Why not? Uh, why not bring it up? Yeah, you know, they're up. It's on a lot of people's mind. And it might be, you know, it might be that that leads to other yeah. important moral and spiritual discussions you can have with people. And don't just say, I think it's wrong. Say, the Bible teaches it's wrong, yeah. and here's why. Yeah. Yeah, if you are if you're, if see the door open, go through the door. Don't just look through it. Just go through it. Exactly Talk right. about it. All right. Thanks for your time tonight, Dad. Thanks, Jacob. And thank you for being a part of the program. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. Hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life. Study His inspired Word of the Bible and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.